I want to talk to you tonight about the inward witness. I'm kind of reaching back into my roots here. Of course, this isn't just roots. This is, this is for today. Amen? Uh, we were talking last night that one of the meetings we were in in February, he said, uh, if you, you guys know who Happy Caldwell is, he, he spoke uh, a word. He said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> and what is the main thing? Well, the main thing is Jesus. Amen. The main thing is salvation and being filled with the Spirit, being filled with power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Leaning on what we know and, and the power of the Word of God in our lives. That's the main thing. Amen. And sometimes we can get off on all kinds of tangents and, you know, different things that kind of lead us astray. And I want to just pull it back to one of the main things right now is having an inward witness. And we're not going to keep you long here. We're just here for, you know, an hour of power. But I'm believing God that he's going to speak to us. Amen. I, I've done my diligence to, to pray and to study, and I'm asking him to speak through me. If you would so please turn into your Bibles to John 14. We're going to look at John 14, John 16, Romans 8. If you want to stick your fingers in there, too. Um, I was just kind of uh, listening again to some of Dad Hagen's teaching, and it just kind of stirred this up in me. He was talking about a vision that he had had. Uh, Jesus had appeared to him in 1959, I think it was the last vision that he had, and, and Jesus spoke to him for about an hour and a half about the inward witness and the importance of the inward witness. And he talked about some real specific things, and he was referring to a church that had asked him to come speak. It, you know, it was a smaller church, probably a church our size, and at that time, he'd been kind of going around and speaking in some larger churches, and but he was being led by the Spirit. Well, in this particular vision, the Jesus spoke to him, and he said, I'm going to talk to you uh, about the inward witness, and this is going to be the last time that I talk to you in this way, because there's some things I want to tell you that you're going to be led from this point on in this way. And he said he never spoke, he never appeared to me again, because of the importance of the inward witness, and we'll talk about that. But anyway, he was saying that this church had asked him to come, and he kind of put it on the back shelf and didn't think about it again, but Jesus said, I want you to go to that church. I want you to speak to that church because half the people are not filled with the Holy Ghost and you're going to come in and lay hands on them. They're going to get filled. And so, and then also there's 14 people that are in that church that are teachers. And two of those people are principals of, church, of schools. Well, I, got, I was listening to this story. I thought, you know, it's amazing to me that Jesus appeared to Brother Hagen to go to a church our size. That spoke volumes to me, that it meant so much to Jesus that he visit a church like this because he wanted to impart the power of the Holy Ghost in 14 people that were teachers to bring that power to children. It's important what we're doing. It's important that what we're doing here, to not despise small beginnings, amen, to not despise what we're doing or what we think is, is or isn't right or wrong. We need to value what God's doing. Amen. We need to not criticize. We need to not judge what we think is, you know, right or wrong. Amen. So anyway, so I, that just really, I don't know, it spoke to my heart. He said, and there's another church that's asked you to go. It's a big, large church. He said, I don't want you to go to that one. I want you to say yes to this one. So he went and got the people filled with the Holy Ghost. And he said, you know, he said, I don't go for the money, but the church ended up giving him double the amount of what another large church had given him. So God took care of him. He was, a, he was willing and obedient. He ate the good of the land. Amen? 
So he started talking to him about the, the difference of the old covenant and the new covenant and the prophet, prophecy, or the prophets in the old covenant and the new covenant. There is a difference. And a lot of folks want to want to focus on the way things were done in the old covenant. But the prophets were, they received the word of God for specific people at that time. But not everybody carried the glory of God. The glory of God was held and contained in the Holy of Holies. And it was only there for the, the priests. And once in a while it would come upon a king to do what he had to do. And um, the prophets had the anointing, obviously, to do what they had to do. But, and then the, the men, 18 years and older, would come and visit, and they would dedicate themselves. They would come and visit the Holy of Holies one time a year. But the, but the anointing, the presence of God, was contained in that place. Now, lots of churches want to act like the anointing is only in a place. It's only in a religion. And that's not true. Because in the New Testament, Jesus came, and he changed everything. And I love when he said, when he spoke to the disciples, and he said, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come. Now, I don't know about you, but if Jesus standing right in front of me, he says, it's better that I go so that somebody else can come and live on the inside of you. We got Jesus here right in front of us, the very King of kings, the Lord of lords, and he's saying, it's better that I go, the King of kings, the one who sacrificed his life so that the Holy Ghost can come and live on the inside of you. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're carriers of the glory of God. We don't have an understanding of this, I don't think. And I'm asking the Lord to show us and, and, and enlighten our hearts to what we have on the inside. As I was getting dressed, I heard the Lord say, there are many Christians who are looking on the outside for something, for answers when, they're not, when they should be looking on the inside. What does that mean? We're looking on the outside. We're looking to our senses. We're looking to the natural. We're looking to uh, mental capacities, understandings, things on the outside world, maybe media. I don't know. Most of us, I think, have kind of shed that one. We're not looking to the media anymore. But the things that are happening in, on the earth right now, it should not be what we're led by. We are led. We are sons and daughters, and we are led by the Spirit. Amen? Amen. So, so it is unscriptural for you. Let me just say this because it's something that he said, and it, it really hit my spirit. He said it's unscriptural for you to go to a prophet seeking out guidance. A lot of people do that now. We saw that during the election. Everybody was seeking out prophets. What are the prophets saying? What are the prophets saying? Now, there should be a confirmation of something. You know, if somebody speaks over my life, it should be a confirmation of what I've already had inside of my heart. Or it's something that enlightens me, and I pray about it, and the Holy Spirit says, yes, that's, that's right, or no. But it's not going to guide me. I'm not going to make decisions based on some man's word. You get what I'm saying. We need to be led by the Holy Ghost. Why would I want to be led by a man when I have the guide on the inside, the ultimate guide on the inside? So it's unscriptural for you to go prophet seeking to a prophet seeking guidance because every born again person has the guide on the inside every one of us have the guide on the inside now it doesn't matter if you pray in the spirit or with tongues because i know some people don't yet but you still have the holy spirit on the inside you still have the holy spirit on the inside when you become born again you have the spirit of god living on the inside now it's better for you if you can pray in tongues because that's where your power comes from and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water and the Holy Spirit will reveal things 
in a, in a larger capacity. But let's look at John 14. This is the amplified version. Are y'all good? John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Uh, the Greek translation of, of the Holy Spirit, parakletos, is helper. But it's broken down here in seven different ways. The comforter, the counselor, the helper, the intercessor, the advocate, the strengthener, and the standby. That he may remain with you. How long? Not just a part-time job. Not just when you're doing things right. Not just when you feel good. All the time. Forever. Forever. And what I like about this scripture is, you know, when I started understanding things, when God was revealing things, uh, giving me a revelation of the Holy Spirit and what, how much his job was so important in my life, I started looking at these words individually. And I want to encourage you, take each one of these words and search them out and seek them out. Find out who he really is in your life. Just the word counselor. I'm not coming against counseling. We talked about that last night in ladies. People need counseling. But if you haven't looked for counseling from the Holy Spirit first, I don't think you need to be looking for counseling from a man until you've lear learned to listen from the Holy Spirit on the inside. Now, some people don't know how to listen to the Holy Spirit, and that's when we get them to a place where, and I wouldn't go to a counselor that's not filled with the Holy Spirit themselves because then they're dabbling and pulling from the mental capacity, the senses, the reasoning. They're not pulling from the Holy Spirit. They've, they're pulling from what they know. You guys know that we are a spirit. We, we've taught this before, and I think I'm preaching to the choir here, but we are a spirit. We live in a body, and we have a, a soul, mind, will, and emotion. A lot of people get that mixed up. They say, my soul, you know, my soul is, is crying out. Well, your soul it can also be interpreted as your life, your, you know, be your life. A lot of people will say, um, we have 1,500 souls come to the Lord. Well, it wasn't really their souls that came to the Lord because that's their mind, their will, and emotion, their spirits became alive unto God. You know, when you become born again, your spirit becomes brand new. But your mind and your will and your emotions, the soulish realm of you still has to be transformed. How does that transformation come? Romans 12, two, it comes by the renewing of the mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And a lot of people, especially nowadays, you get on, on Instagram especially, you can find all kinds of ways to change your body. There's all kinds of things to exercise and changing your eating habits and, oh, this will change you. This will make you feel better and hormonal changes and hormonal replacements and all kinds of things. And all this stuff's going to pop up on your phone because I'm talking about it. <laughs> but, but all these things are, are popping up to show you how you can change. There's even mental things now. There's, there's uh, different uh, apps that you can do to change how you think, you know. Right and wrong thinking. Let's 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 attack that one. How do we think better? What do we what are we meditating on? That's why a lot of people get into meditation and know, and that do you know that was a biblical term from the very beginning? To meditate, to sit and murmur, because we're supposed to meditate on the word, because the word is life and it brings life and it brings change to our minds. So there's all this focus on the mental or the body capacity, the the soulish realm, the mind, the will. The emotions, you know, what do, what do you want? What is my will? What do I want today? What do I feel like? What do I feel like eating today? Do you want this? What, you know, you get in the car. Where do you guys want to go? What do you feel like eating today? Well, I don't care. Where do you want to go? Well, I feel like a hamburger. Well, you know, it's all in, and I'm not coming against those things. There's, there's balance in those things. But if we're never 
working on the spirit man. We're only working on the natural man. We're only working on the soulish realm. Did you all do that tonight or something? You got in the car and said, where are we going to go eat? <laughs> but, you know, if we're only working on those, those pieces of our life, then that's what's going to get fixed. That's what's going to be magnified in our life. And if we're never focusing on the spirit man, understanding that we can be led by the Holy Spirit in everything that we do, it never gets nurtured. It never will become mature. And, and then we'll be led by our, our flesh. It was really precious to me today. Braden, he is amazing to me sometimes. So today, this morning, we were getting ready for, to do school. And he said, Gigi, <clears throat> sometimes my mind wants to think about things that it shouldn't about myself. And I tell it no, and it does it anyway. I, and I said, well, I said, that is a battle in your mind. The word says that the, the battlefield is in the mind, right? And that is your flesh telling you that you don't, I said, is it telling that you, you're not good enough? Because right before that, he asked me, I forgot this, right before that, he said, am I important? So I figured it was an identity crisis he was going through, wondering if he was good enough, he was important enough. And so when he said that, my mind wants to think one way, and I tell it no, but it does it anyway. I said, you know what, that is the devil telling you that you aren't good enough, that you aren't a good boy, that you're a bad person, that you're ugly, because he's even asked me if he's, if he's ugly, you know, he's going through all these questions already. And I said, what does the word of God say about you? That's why it's important we got to put the word in our kids. What does the word of God say about you? What he says that you are smart, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength, that you are, you were created in your mother's womb, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, a future and a hope. And there's some amazing things God has for you. I said, so can you see the difference? He said, yes. I said, so what do you, what do you decide to choose? He said, I'm going to choose God's way. And a few minutes later, he said, whew, I just felt a release. My nine-year-old felt a release in his spirit. I said, you know what that was? That was your spirit man releasing that lie. See, what he was learning to do right there was taking captive every thought that comes against the knowledge of who you are in Christ. Amen? And so I, I love that. And I remember another story about him when he, he's been so, so spiritual from the very beginning, just such a different thinker. Um, and so I think he was probably about three. We were laying in bed, and, I, and we were putting him to sleep. We read him a story. We did our prayers, and he started... Um, I could tell he was afraid, and he started asking me about something. I forget specifically what it was, but I knew it was a spirit of fear that <clears throat> he was awakening to. And the Holy Ghost, I mean, he could have been standing right here and speaking it into my ear. He said, he is now aware of the spirit of fear. Now I want you to teach him how to be led by his spirit and to know what to do with that fear when it comes knocking on his door. So I started teaching him. I said, that that feeling you have right now is a spirit, and it's not the spirit of God. It's not the spirit of faith. It's a spirit of fear. And the Word says that God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind, safe thinking. And so I had him say it, and then I, and then I said, now I want you to repeat after me. You say, devil, you have no place in my life. I resist you. You have to flee. You have to run in terror. So he's learned how to deal with fear. Now, we've had to do it again a few times. You know, but he's learning how to deal with the enemy. We don't teach our kids, and if we don't know ourselves how to deal with the enemy when those thoughts come. We're going to succumb to those thoughts. We're going to succumb to everything that comes our way. 
And like, you know, John Bevere said in our video last night at the ladies, he said, we're in a battleground. We're not on the playground. We're in a battle. We're on the battleground. And the enemy is developing a whole army against us in the last days. And that was 20-some years ago when he developed that video. So even more so now, we are in the last days. We are in... I mean, we've got fires, we've got floods, we've got earthquakes, we've got tornadoes, we've got wars and rumors of wars. We've, everything is here. These are the signs. Of course, it's not over yet because there's more to come. We know that. That's what the word says. And we know that the glory of God is yet to be revealed and the harvest is yet to come. And it's happening. And we're going to be a part of it in Jesus' name. Amen? But it's important that we train our spirits to know. And, and I thought about it on the way here. Everything that we're, we're giving out to you by the Spirit of God, Sundays and Wednesdays, Sundays and Wednesdays, I feel like we're putting another bullet in your belt. Because I'm like, God, you, this, there's purpose in what we're teaching on every time. I, I, I didn't really, you know, wasn't really mindful of it until I was on my way here. And it's like the Holy Spirit said, they have to know how to follow the inward voice and not the outward voices. There are many voices in the world today. And I'm going to tell you, there are people close to you even that might be following the wrong voices because they're not tuned in to the right voice. So be careful whom you're listening to. I've said this before, Psalm 1, where it says, I shall not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I shall not stand in the way of the sinner. That first part where it says, I shall not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You don't sit down with somebody who is an ungodly person or a Christian can have ungodly counsel because they're not finding their help. They're not seeking after what they need to know in the in the word of God. They're seeking it out from prophets and whomever else they think is, you know what I'm saying? I don't trust everybody's word. If they haven't been in the word of God, don't talk to me. I don't mean that rudely, but you can't be founded. You can't be, you can't be established on the word if you've not been in the word. You might have some word in you, and you might be drawing from some old manna that you've had before, but it's important that we're hearing the word of God fresh, that it comes from a fresh place every day, and that we're giving out from that place. We're giving fresh bread to people every day because God did it himself when he provided for the children of Israel. He said, don't collect the manna every day and store it up. He said, I'm going to give you new. And it spoiled when they tried to. It's spoiled. There's a reason that we need fresh manna every day. And we're giving out fresh manna to others every day. Because there is grace upon you for this day, but not for tomorrow. You cannot worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own worries. You have to do what you can do today. And that grace is for today. Just like the bread from heaven is for today. Tomorrow, God is going to provide a new word for you. You can't live on the past, out of the past. Amen? All right, I'm, I've only I've only gotten through one verse, <laughs> not even that one. Okay, so this is um, this is verse twenty six, fourteen twenty six. It says, "But the Comforter, the Counselor, the Helper, the Intercessor, Advocate, Strengthener, Standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, on my behalf, He will teach you all things. All means all, and He will cause you to recall and remind you, bring your remembrance everything I have told you." Let's look at John sixteen thirteen. Used to have to wait for people to flip pages. Now I don't even hear pages flip. <laughs> John 16, 13. We've got it right in front of you. 
but, but when he, thank you, thank you for that. I like that noise. I like it. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that's been given. He will announce and declare to you the things that are to come. He's going to show us things to come. He will honor and glorify me because he will take of and receive and draw upon what is mine and will reveal to it to you. I'm trying to skip some of those extra words. Everything that the Father has is mine. That is what I meant when I said that he, the Spirit, will take things that are mine and reveal, reveal, declare, disclose, transmit. So he is our guide. He is our guide. He is our comforter. He is our helper. He's our strengthener. Look at Romans 8, 14. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Sons of God should expect to be led by God. Amen? My boys are led very much by what their dad does. He is an example in their life. And, you know, anytime you've heard them get up here when they talk about their dad and how much they love him, it's always about the example that he's, he's put for them. And that's God. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to show us. He's going to lead us. Many, this is one thing Brother Higgins said, and I, and I really um, I see this. Many are missing the supernatural because they're waiting on the spectacular. And I think that's happening right now in the church. What I mean by this is the supernatural is just your, your language, your spiritual language. That is supernatural. Just for us to be able to stand up here and start worshiping God out of our sp spirits, to, to magnify him with the language that we have, that's a supernatural thing. But a lot of times we're, we're holding back and we're waiting on some big wind to come through and some major thing to happen. And while we're waiting, the supernatural is passing by us. There was something that happened in here supernaturally on Sunday. There was a move of the Spirit in this place. There was a wind that came through, and it settled. And I'm telling you, if you're looking for something else and trying to find some, some wooey thing, you know, happen, you're going to miss out on it. It can happen in your life every day just by you lifting up your voice and praying unto God because that's a supernatural thing. It's supernatural that we can be in contact with God himself. That we don't have to go to a man anymore. That we can come boldly to the throne of grace in our time of need. That we can come directly to the throne. Amen? That we, we've been, there's been provision made for us to lift our voice and receive what we have need of in the presence of God. Amen? Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of man is the lamp or the candle of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. So God will guide us through that inner man, that lamp that's on the inside. He will guide us through our spirits, not our intellect, not our physical senses. Um, God does not guide us through our minds or our bodies. Man is a spirit. We are made in the image and likeness of God. God is a spirit. And I was talking to some of the ladies, I think it was last night. The word spirit is pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, I think it is, spirit man. And it, it means breath. It means wind. It can mean anger. It can mean uh, whirlwind. It can mean blast. But we are a spirit man, and we are speaking spirits. God has given us the ability. Now, when he created the animals, he created the vegetable kingdom, he just spoke them into being. He didn't breathe them into being. He just spoke them into being. And I hate to tell you, but animals do not have spirits. <laughs> and there's probably a whole argument about that. But 
I'm just going to tell you, I was listening. I turned on this lady. She's supposed to be a prophetess. And she, the very beginning, you know, I don't listen to most of that stuff, but I was curious. And she started talking and praising all these, the animal kingdom and making a big deal about the animal kingdom. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Off. Come on, guys. When people are starting to exalt animals, and that's what our society's doing right now. Save the whales. Save everything else but the babies. Come on. Well, we got to exalt everything else except life itself, the very pneuma man that God breathed life into. We got a problem, and that's the society of antichrist spirit because that's not God. Amen? So let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Are you good? Say, I'm getting something out of this. It's going to help me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow the inward witness of the Holy Ghost. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, May the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. And may your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what I was referring to earlier. There is a difference between your soul and your spirit, man. There is a difference. And it's interesting to me that he talked about, and a lot of people misquote this scripture. They say they say the, the body and, and the soul, but they don't talk about the spirit. That he's preserved your spirit. Your spirit is first. And they're separate. Spirit, soul, and body. Amen. We need to work on our spirits. We need to feed our spirits. What are you feeding your spirit? What are you feeding your spirit? You know, a lot of times we lean on this so much. And we want to, you know, the Lord really has been showing me some areas where I've been leaning on my own understanding in some areas. Didn't think I was doing it. But he showed me some things. It's like, oh, I didn't realize I was doing that. All right, I'll just leave that there. So Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. It goes on, it is sharper than a two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life and the spirit and joints and marrow, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. So the word of God is a sharp sword, and it divides between soul and spirit. There's a reason why we need something to break what is happening in our soul and what's in our spirit. It's not all the same. A lot of times, and I mentioned this in, our, in, in some things we talked about with prayer, is that a lot of times we think we're being led by the Spirit when it's really just emotion. Now, your emotions will, will assist you when you're following the Holy Spirit. Just like, you know, you've experienced the presence of the Lord and it just overtakes you and you start to cry. That's an emotion. But it's the emotion, it's, I'm not crying first and then all of a sudden I'm popping into the spirit. No, there's a place of being in the spirit. Like Sunday, um, anytime the Holy Spirit comes in strong for me, my legs start shaking. I can almost hardly stand. But that's not that my legs are shaking first and then I'm experiencing. I'm not like egging it on and making it happen. What happens is we're yielding to the spirit, that inward witness, and all of a sudden the power of God comes in and it's so strong that it's affecting your life and you start to cry or you have to run. Yes, you can run in here if you need to run. Or, or you laugh or, or you fall down, whatever it is. That's why people fall out in the spirit. It's not a complimentary drop. It's because the Spirit of God came on you so strong that you just, you couldn't stand anymore. You know what I mean? 
And so that is responding, an emotional response to the Spirit, but it's not driving what we're doing in here. And what happens when people get too emotionally led is that's all you see, and it draws attention to them. And so, any, and you can tell the difference, and that's why we want to be careful, not, not so much that we're not flowing, we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to move, we don't be so guarded and so in a box that we can't let God do something or say something through us, because we're afraid. I, I like what Dad Hagen used to say, he'd say, I'd rather have a little wildfire than no fire at all. We want the fire of the Spirit to, to blow through this place, to burn through this place, amen? So there is a dividing of the soul and the Spirit, and I like... This, is, this scripture has been really helpful for me when I'm trying to make a decision. If you're trying to make a major decision, it's good to get in the word of God because the word will enlighten or illuminate in your spirit a direction. He's your guide. He will light it up so that you know which way to go. And what it does is it, it divides between my thinking, my soulish realm, and what my spirit man wants to do. Does that make sense? All, I, I can't really describe it completely, and you guys have probably experienced it, some of you, but, but when you're trying to make a decision and there is this nudging to go a certain way, he leads by what? Joy and peace, not by disturbance, agitation, fear. Those are not the leading of the Holy Spirit. And if you have those things, then I would say, wait, <laughs> wait on the Lord, wait on him. Amen. So that's just touching that. I don't have a lot of time to go into that. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, my Holy, the Holy Spirit within me prays, but my mind is unproductive and it bears no fruit and it helps nobody. So I, what I want to draw out from this particular scripture is, here is it, it says that if my spirit prays within me, the Holy Spirit, my tongue is praying in the spirit, my mind is unproductive. And that's why a lot of people have trouble with praying in the spirit is they don't understand it. They're trying to wrap their minds around it. And usually people that have more of an intellectual state are the ones who have a harder problem or a more bigger problem with this because they can't wrap their mind around it. And, and it, it's not about your mind. It's about your spirit man. When you became born again, did you, you, you believed in your heart, you confessed with your mouth, and there was a change. Did you see the change? Did you see that you were born again? Just like, you know, was Nicodemus has said, does a man enter his mother's body again and be born again again? It's, it's something that happens, it's a spiritual thing. It happens spiritually. Your spirit man is renewed and made new. It's not something that you intellectually made happen. You didn't ascend to something. It just was a decision you made, and then you open your mouth because there had to be the confirmation of the confession of your faith, and you said, I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I confess him today. And so there was that opening of your mouth and saying something. Same thing happens when we pray in the spirit. You can't stand there and say, mm, wrapping my mind around this. Holy Spirit, I don't know how this is happening. No, you just open your mouth and you allow out of your belly. I'm just interpreting because I know most of you guys probably have already experienced this. But there is a, a, a place where we give ourselves over to the spirit of God. And he leads and he speaks. That's following that inward witness. And so when we do that, it's letting go. It's not leaning on our understanding. It's not leaning on our intellect. It's following the Holy Spirit and what he wants to say. <clears throat> and our mind is unproductive. Now, 
that's a whole other teaching, but when you pray, you're praying in the Spirit, we can pray for the interpretation, and we can ask the Holy Spirit to show us what we're praying. Some things will come, some, some things won't. It's all by faith. The whole, this whole thing is by faith. We, we walk by faith and not by sight. The just will live by faith, right? So it's not anything about how we feel. And if somebody says, well, I just feel this, then you might want to say, wait a minute. Where did you get that feeling from, right? Okay, so this is something that came to me, too, in regard to this. And this is not to knock anything that we've heard or said before, but this came to me today as we were, I was praying in the Spirit because we, we've been taught that we can have an understanding and we can interpret our prayers. But the Holy Spirit, in light of what I'm talking about here, said if you focus too much on the understanding of the interpretation, you'll miss the focus of where the Spirit wants to go. So, and what I see here is we can focus so much on trying to figure out what we're saying that our mind is more aware and our spirit is just, we're just in rattle mode. We're just going, you know what I'm saying? And we're not really, we're not really focused honing in on what the Holy Spirit, where he's wanting to go, where he's wanting to take us. We're more focused on what am I saying? What is he trying to tell me here? You know what I'm saying? So we have to really be careful that we don't lean on that too much. Just let it come. I think we get into a place where we're just like trying to produce something like like a, tr a fruit tree, and it's trying to push out a, an orange, and if you just let it happen naturally, it just comes, right? Because there's, there's fruit that comes out of our life, and it should just come naturally, organically. Amen? Okay, so I'm almost done here. You good? All right, Psalm 119, 130. It says, the entrance and the unfolding of your words give light. Where, do, where is our, our spirit man illuminated? It is through the entrance of the word of God. If there is no entrance of the word of God in our spirits, there is no light. And I like that scripture again. I think it was Matthew 6, 23. It was mentioned, we, I mentioned it last night in our ladies. It talks about, oh, let's see, how's it go with the eye? If the eye is dark, the whole man is dark. And that's not referring to, you know, your physical. It's referring to your perception of things. And your perception can be darkened if you're not in the word of God and getting some exposure to light. Because the light reveals, it, it, it demolishes the darkness. And it brings life in with the light. Amen? Okay, so um, the entrance and unfolding of your word gives light. Their unfolding gives understanding. Every time I saw this word in the Amplified Understanding, it was coupled with discernment and comprehension. So it says here, their unfolding gives understanding, discernment, comprehension to the simple. Well, what is, what is following the guide on the inside? What is, what I'm talking about here, it's discernment. It's another word for what I'm talking about, is having discernment for the hour. And so if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to enlighten us through the word of God, there's an illumination that comes. You know, if we're believing God to uh, make a change in our life and we're seeking him out for direction, you know, probably every one of us have done this in our life at one time or another. And we pray and we seek God. There was a particular uh, family we were helping. They were getting ready to make a major, major decision in their lives. And they took some time to pray and they'd asked us to pray with them. And we weren't prophesying over them. We were just praying with them that God would, would reveal. And they came to us and said, you know what, what, 
what are you getting? We got together, what are you getting? And it just, we weren't getting a good feeling. We were like just that scratching on the inside. There was just something that just didn't feel. Um, but it seemed like they were thinking they were going to move forward. And so we talked again another time after some prayer, and they said, I, I just keep seeing a yellow light, like, like a yellow. Well, what does yellow mean? Caution. <laughs> and sometimes the Lord will lead us that way. He'll, he'll lead us with pictures. He'll lead us with discernment in our spirit. He'll lead us, you know, a red light. That means don't go. Stop. And some of y'all like to go through red lights, and it's dangerous. And I would beckon you, don't go through red lights, Levi. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> but when it's green, it's good to go. But you got to. Now, I have a friend that says when you go through the yellow light and you get on the other side, you squeeze the pink out of it. I don't know if that's true or not. I wouldn't want to flow in the pink in the spirit. Just Let's just stay in the green. Amen. So we got to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we do that through prayer, but we also do it through uh, getting in the Word of God. And there's discernment, there's understanding, and there's comprehension that comes to the simple. How many are simple here? I'm simple. Proverbs 4, 5. Get skillful in godly wisdom. Get understanding. Here it is again. Get understanding, discernment, comprehension, and interpretation. That's an interesting word, interpretation. And do not forget and do not turn back from the words of my mouth. So what I'm seeing here is that if I can get in the word of God and put it into my spirit, it, you know, the scripture that says your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light into my path. And, you know, I, I pray that out a lot because I completely depend on it. I completely depend on the word of God to lead me and guide me. And one of the kids, one time I was teaching kids class, and I said, what does this mean to you? And he says, he said, it means that the light, the lamp of the word shows me where to go, but it also shows me where not to go. And I was like, that's really good. <laughs> I'm going to use that. But it's true. It shows us where to go and where not to go. Amen? And that's following the inward witness, the inward witness from the Holy Spirit. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not discern and understand that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church. He's at home, at you, home in you as a church and individually. I like that scripture. So we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's living, he's abiding in us, and he's guiding us. First John 2, 27. But as for you, the anointing which you received from him abides permanently in you. Then you have no need that anyone should instruct you. Now, I'm going to expound on that here in a second. But just as his anointing teaches you concerning everything, it says everything. So do I, I need a prophet to speak over, over my life if I've got the inward witness teaching me about everything? And I'm just going to say this. If you feel like you need somebody to speak into your life to give you direction, then I want to say you need to get in the word of God more. Because if the word's not enough for you, then you're maybe trying to tickle something else in your life that doesn't need to be tickled. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's not about our flesh. You know, a lot of times people, we've had so many words spoken over us, and after a while, you know, when we were at the last church, I think it was just because we were worship leaders and we were sitting on the front row, and every guest minister came in and stood right in front of us and said, you will go all over the world, and your songs will be known all over the, and after a while, we all started laughing. The whole pastoral staff started laughing because it was the same word every time 
And, it, and not that we didn't believe it. We believe that God's using us. But it was almost like it just becomes a, a and, and we respect people in the office they walk in. I don't want to sound sacrilegious. We, we respect that. But my thing is, is if I haven't gotten to the word and found out what God says about my life and what his will is for my life and his plan is for my life for myself, I don't probably need to hear some stranger coming in that I don't know speaking over my life, telling me what direction I need to go. And one time somebody came in and spoke over us, and it was something that was just off the wall. We get in the back room, and the pastor's wife says, do you need to tell me something? I said, no, that was wrong. That was not right. And you know me. I would tell you. That was off. And so that's what I'm saying. It's like we want to willingly put our hands in somebody that we don't know that calls himself a prophet, when we can't get it ourselves from the word of God and from the inward witness, the Holy Ghost on the inside of me, he's first and foremost, that's enough for me. Now, if somebody wants to come in and prophesy and say something that confirms the word that's already in me, I'm all about it. Please don't misunderstand me. Please do not misunderstand me and go out of here and saying that Pastor Kim doesn't believe in prophets, and doesn't believe in whatever. I believe that God uses people to confirm his word. And I believe he confirms his word in us first, and then those things come. But I, I have a real hard time with somebody coming in and telling me, you need to go sell everything you have and go here. And that should have been in my heart first. Amen? We, uh, let me close with this. We went, to, um, we went on a cruise many years back, and we went uh, swimming with stingrays. How many have ever swam with stingrays? That's quite an experience. And it was several years back. It was right after Stevie, what's his name? What? Erwin. It was like the month after he died. You guys know how he died, right? He got stung in the heart with a stingray. <laughs> so we're getting out of the boat. You know, we get all this instruction from this man who is the guide. And he's telling us, you, you don't want to get out of the boat. You don't want to scream. You don't want to move around too fast. They're used to us being here. You're going to hold your hand this way. We're going to hold them up, and you're going to kiss them because supposedly that's good luck if you hold a, a, kiss a stingray, whatever. So they're telling us all this stuff, and, uh, and these stingrays are like this big. They were quite large, and there were many. <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness. So we stop, and, and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a challenge for me because I'm, I'm, you know, a little bit afraid, I'll be honest. So we get out out of the boat, <laughs> into the water, and it's, it's this little area where, I forget what you call it, where the, the sand is a little bit higher than all the other spots. Yeah, like a bar, sandbar. And we get out, and um, as soon as we get out, some lady starts screaming, rustling around, moving the water frantically, and I'm like, shh, shh, didn't you hear the guide? He said, be quiet. We're not supposed to move around. <laughs> She's moving frantic, and the whole, then everybody else, one person starts, everybody else starts, because everybody's freaking out, because she's freaking out. It starts a tidal wave of everybody doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. And so everything kind of slowed down and settled down. We fed them, we kissed them, we swam with them, blah, blah, blah. And I get in the boat, and the Lord just gave me this epiphany that how we will follow some strange man that I don't know has given me 10 minutes worth of instruction to jump in the water with this deadly animal who just killed the master kingdom of the master of animal kingdom himself and I'm willing to just jump in 
after this man's just given me a little bit of instruction, and I'm trusting him with my life. And the Lord said, that's what people do every day. They're trusting the guide that's on the outside. I mean, the COVID has proven that big time. Trusting the guide on the outside, trusting people to speak into their life, trusting everybody else when they've got the holy one on the inside, the guide on the inside, the one who knows all to lead and guide and show us things to come. It's just a matter of us taking the time. We want a quick work. We want McDonald's drive through prophetic words. We want, tell me now what I'm supposed to do. Show me now what I'm supposed to do. We don't want to take the time to get in the word. We don't want to take the time to be still and know that he is God. And one of the most important things when we get into prayer is that we're, it's just not a monologue. We just don't get in and tell God our one side, we need this, we need that, and I need this, and where are you, and why haven't you shown up, and why is it taking so long, and God, I don't know about this, and you know, and we say so much, but then we need to take time to let him speak to us, amen, and so I want to encourage you, follow the guide on the inside, and the way you're going to be able to do that is to spend time in his presence, and you know, I, I'm just going to tell you, sometimes just having a Bible study can be so busy. I think we've gotten addicted to busyness, and then our excuse is, I'm too busy. And then the devil has, has confirmed that we're too busy by making us think that we're too busy when we're really not too busy. You know what I mean? We can feel like we're just super busy, but when you go back and note what you've done between, you know, this hour and this hour, well, I didn't really do that much. You know what I mean? And so I want to just encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you times that you can spend with him, praying in the Spirit, building yourself up on your most holy faith, getting in the Word of God, allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate and show you the path that he has for you, and let him speak to your heart, let him speak, let him show you. Amen?